Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can always listen live weekdays 2 to 4. If not, you can listen on demand anytime you want. Lots of to come up here in this hour, we'll go over some uh, baseball news going on right now. I'll take a look at a draft that I'm involved in right now, a draft champions league. We'll have Scout Pianowski from Yahoo Sports coming up in the next segment, and we'll take a look at the night in DFS in the NBA as we get closer to the All Star break for the NBA. Remember, no games beginning Friday, so a little bit of a break there. So if you do play DFS every day. You get a little bit of a a break and because uh, there'll be no games from Friday, and I think they return a week from Thursday. Go check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. As we mentioned before, if they use the promo code radio, 70% off your first month as we got the Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit underway with tons of content, in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. Uh, he's gone through the American League. Now he's in the National League taking a look at the NL Central. The Cincinnati Reds are the latest team he has taken a look at. Dr. Otto has his FSTA baseball recap up. Uh, we got a look at the fantasy NASCAR rankings for the Daytona 500. And I'm um, taking a look at a bunch of different players and examining them. The latest is a look at Paul DeYoung and whether you can count on him as a shortstop if you miss out on the elite. I uh, also have profiles on Jesus Aguiar. Uh, break down the trade of JT Realmuto to the Phillies, what it means for him, a look at Yasiel Puig, uh, Sonny Gray, and a lot more. Uh, just looking at players that change teams, what does it mean for their fantasy value for the upcoming season? So that's only a part of it. There'll be a lot more to come. Sleepers, busts, preseason pro picks, rankings, and a lot more. We are here to help you dominate for the upcoming fantasy baseball season. So Come aboard and join today. Of course, we'll answer your questions on the message boards and forums. Been getting questions on keepers and dynasty leagues and also, you know, what categories to use in your leagues. And I'm a commissioner of a league, and what I like to do is put everything to vote. So, you know, a few years ago, I, I wanted to institute on base percentage. I uh, felt like that was kind of a better gauge than average. And I know, you know, we're used to seeing average, but I think. You know, walks should count for something. They do in the points leagues. And, yeah, you can say in a roto format, well, you get on base. You know, you have the opportunity to score a run, steal a base. But I decided I wanted to go by OVP. So what I did is put out a poll, and the league agreed uh, that we should go to OVP. And we did it and have made that change since. So whenever someone requests a rule, I'll put it to vote as long as it's not crazy. There was a rule last year that people were uh, – trying to institute that I thought was so dumb and I was not even putting it up for a vote. So, uh, you know, that can happen on occasion, but if it's anything 
And and I always ask too, whether it's December or January, if you guys want any rule changes, you know, now's the time to ask. We could put it to a vote. So that's the best thing. And uh, I know one of the categories it, it was relating to pitching and whether you should use innings pitch or quality starts. And you know, quality starts obviously is not great. Six innings, three are runs, four and a half ERA. I mean, that's really not quality. But I think with starting pitchers going into games deeper even less i think that's why people are trying to come up with something different and you know we've seen a lot of starters leave the game game in hand with the win potential and then the bullpen blow it so people are looking to make those changes which is fine and um you know i always suggest putting those to vote so anything that you want to bounce off of us uh you can ask it on the message boards in the forums you could also check out scoutdfs.com we got you covered for nba NHL, PGA, including optimizers and Slack chat leading up to lineup lock, which is especially important in the NBA. And even after lineup lock, you know, sometimes you get this late news of this guy is in, this guy's out, uh, someone starting. You know, I mentioned earlier Dario Saric last night. You know, we didn't find out he was starting till after the initial set of games went off, and he was like 11 bucks on Yahoo. I think he was 44 in DK, so I made the switch to get him in there. Panicked at first because he had two fouls in the first like two minutes of the game, but wound up finishing with a, a decent game. So that's the thing too with basketball. If you play on these late swaps, you have to pay attention, and you know that news uh, will hit. Well, the optimizer, if you just hit refresh, you know it'll help you out. And if your game's already started, what you do is just lock in the players you started and uh, see what it gives you. So maybe you weren't sure, and you you put in the players you started in the early games, and then you see wow, Sarich is popping in the optimizer quite a bit. And uh, that should tip you off. But as soon as I saw the news, I said, all right, I'm getting Sarich in. I actually had considered him, but uh, I said, he's got to start for me. And uh, he was in the starting lineup as Andrew Wiggins was out with an illness, and that worked out. Also, you check out VegasWhispers.com for all your sports betting needs as well. Follow them on Twitter, at VegasWhispers. Uh, let's take a look at some of the latest news going on right now. Uh, this just kind of broke a little while ago, but... Angels manager Brad Ausmus, uh, he thinks Shohei Otani will be ready to return from elbow surgery sometime in May. They basically said they didn't want to put a timetable on him. Uh, but if they did, uh, they would say probably May is what they were thinking. So there's a lot of people who are pretty optimistic on Otani. I mean, look, he was really good last year as a hitter. But I think people were being very aggressive. Uh, I know I haven't taken him in any drafts yet. And I remember there was chatter in the chat room in my current draft. I'm doing a draft champions league on uh, Fantrax.com, 15 teams, 50 rounds. And, you know, Otani kind of fell. And, you know, he was always sitting there at the top of the rankings. And I just really had no interest. Uh, you know, you got to lock up the utility spot. And as you know, for me, I've talked about that doesn't matter to me. I mean, I locked up my utility spot early in this one, taking Chris Davis in the fourth round. I don't care. Give me the stats. I'll, I'll figure out a way to get it done. Uh, and I think people make that mistake a lot of times as they shy away. I mean, that's why Nelson Cruz is a bargain every single year. I feel like I write the same article every year about Nelson Cruz. Now, at some point, he will flop. I mean, he's 38. So at some point, age is going to catch up. But I saw nothing in the profile last year to lead me to believe that. And uh, I like what Minnesota has done with their lineup. But, you know, Otani, it's not the utility. It's just you know, when what's the plan with him? How often are they going to use him? Is he going to play four times a week? He's rehabbing too, you know, coming off Tommy John surgery. And uh, as always, you know, as we get 
into spring training, now we start to see some timetables of exactly what's going on. You know, I think people just assumed, all right, he'll be ready opening day. I'll take him. And that probably happened to a lot of people in early drafts. Now you're hearing May, and that's not even a lock. We know how this works. They'll give you a, oh, yeah, he should be back around May 3rd. And then, well, he's not ready yet. He gets pushed back. And all of a sudden, it's mid-May, late May, and he's still not there. Now you're sitting there with a guy on your roster especially if you don't have DL spots for, for two months, taking up a spot. So Otani went 15th round in the draft that I'm currently doing. And, uh, again, I didn't really have any inclination to take him. Uh, and you could say part of it was because the utility spot was locked up with Chris Davis for sure. But uh, he wasn't in the plan, uh, again, because I just I don't know what the plan is here for the Angels and what they're going to do with them. And, look, he was great last year. The guy could hit. He's got some speed. There's no question about it. But there's definitely big risk. You could say in the 15th round, maybe you think it's it's worth it. Uh, but this is a draft champions league where there's no moves. And you know every spot matters because we know that we're going to endure injuries and players sitting out throughout the season. And to go into the year with a player you know that's going to be on your roster for missing potentially at least a month, it's not ideal. But uh, you got to say you got you impressed last year with the bat of Otani. Uh, a lot of people in the spring were saying this guy can't hit major league pitching. He's struggling, and he went out there, hit 22 homers, 61 RBIs, 59 runs, 10 steals, 285 average, 361 OBP, and a 564 slugging. Just uh, tremendous numbers last year for Atani. So you could see why people are excited, and he crushed the ball, hit the ball real hard. But what's the plan? And we don't know that right now, and we don't know when he's going to return. So for me, not someone that I'm looking at to – having my lineups right now or are my rosters. Uh, even at the 15th round, I'm just not going to take the shot on him at that point because don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, the Angels did bring in Justin Bohr. So they have him and they still have Albert Pools there who probably you don't want to use. That, that's for sure. Uh, Bryce Harper, according to MLB Network's John Heyman, Bryce Harper isn't considering signing a short-term deal with any team. And obviously we've kind of been hearing those rumors a little bit lately. He met with the Giants, and you know that would be a really bad spot for him. I just cannot see him. That is a terrible park for left-handed power. It's one of the reasons why Brandon Belt, who I really like, just cannot break out. And I mentioned it even last year when I mentioned Belt as someone who I was drafting. And look, he gave me a, a pretty good couple months there. It was looking great, and of course, uh, he got hurt. I don't remember. Was last year the appendectomy? I think it was, right? Didn't he have an appendectomy last year? And then he had a then he had a knee injury towards the end of the year. But of course, it was Brandon Belt's luck as he is tearing it up last year and looking like a great value. I remember getting him in rounds 20, 21. Definitely took him in the uh, great fantasy baseball invitational, and that was a looking really good. And then uh, he had this the knee surgery in September to end his year. But that's the problem. Is like Belt is really good, but it's the ballpark really hurts him. Um, you know, it's 424 to right center out there in San Francisco. Uh, so that that's what I worry about. I would You can put Belt at Yankee Stadium. Forget it. That guy's hitting 35 to 40 bombs. Easy. And, uh, you know, for his career, it's just uh, it's been a struggle for him to hit for the power at home. So, I mean, Bryce Harper, obviously, his power plays anywhere. But you do have to take the park into effect. And that would be a bad spot. So I don't see that happening. And uh, with Bryce Harper right now, you're, you're generally seeing him go uh, late first round, early second round. There's, uh, I think, still a lot of people that just don't want to draft him, uh, not just because they don't know the team, because 
they're not sure what they're getting from Harper, who has really returned first-round value only one time. Uh, he's still 25 years old, and it's it's still possible that he puts it all together in a given year and is a top-three player, but we just haven't seen it that much, and I think that's why people have trepidation of taking him. Uh, in that draft that I'm currently doing, he went 12th overall, so uh, usually see him fall to the second round. And if you could take him on the turn and pair him with someone else, certainly worth it. But there's a lot of people who just don't want uh, a piece of Harper this year because, uh, number one, they don't know where he's going to play. And number two, he hasn't really returned that first-round value in, in a while. So that's something to uh, keep in mind. Now, when you're on the clock in a slow draft and news breaks, or not even breaks, but just some news comes out, you kind of hope you're on the clock. Because uh, if not, it sucks when you're a couple picks away. So there was a report this morning because uh, in that draft that I'm talking about, uh, I don't have a closer yet. Uh, I said I'm not going to overpay. I mean, they were just flying off the boards. I think there were two teams on the turn who each took two closers early. So you already have a slim pool to begin with. And now you got four taken by two teams early on. It's obviously going to change the dynamics of it. So... There was a report this morning from the Chicago Sun-Times that the White Sox have mentioned Alex Colome as being the closer more than Kelvin Herrera. And again, this is nothing official, but we're dealing with this in a lot of bullpens. So uh, Colome was brought over in a trade, and uh, you know he did lead the league in saves a couple years ago. Um, and Herrera has been pretty good. He, was, he, he wasn't great last year. Uh, Colome was someone I did not like last year. I didn't think that what he did two years ago was sustainable because the K rate was so low, and that's what bothered me. He had a 20.6% strikeout rate uh, in 2017. So that steered me away from him last year, and especially since people were paying for the saves that he produced in 2017. You know, he had 37 saves in 2016, 47 in 2017. So you know how it goes. People paid for him, and I wasn't willing to pay for him. And obviously, uh, the trade last year really hurt him. Uh, but he does have that closer experience. Kelvin Erra does too, but Colomay's done it a little bit more. So my guess is you do see Colomay as the guy to open the year. Uh, but there's a chance he doesn't keep it. And uh, that's the situation where people are kind of just waiting to the later rounds to address that. And uh, Colomay did go, I think it was three picks before I went. And uh, in round like 16, 17, I believe. So I probably would have taken him. I would have taken a shot on him at that point. It was round 17. But, uh, you know, again, you don't know who's going to close. And I think that's the, the problem with a lot of situations right now, uh, especially like the bottom 10 to 12 teams. When you look at the closer rankings, you're just not sure who's going to close at this point. And it just makes it real difficult. And we also know there's going to be a ton of, of closer fluctuation, a ton of jobs that are going to change uh, as we go into the season. So it does make it difficult, and you can guess right. That would be great. Even Tampa Bay, I think people feel like they have an idea. I think people are sensing that Jose Alvarado is going to be the guy. Uh, we know he's got a really good arm, and I actually like his price for where he's going, you know, 12th, 13th round. But – even with Alvarado, uh, Kevin Cash, the manager of the race, came out and said he feels no urgency to name a closer this year. So we saw Sergio Romo got a lot of opportunities last year after Alex Colomay was traded. Uh, but they have some good arms at the back of the pen. Diego Castillo, Ryan Stanek. 
we know that they also go with the opener a lot. So, you know, I thought Alvarado would be the guy. I mean, even at times last year, I remember picking him up, hoping he would be the main guy, and it didn't happen. He had eight saves last year, uh, pitched 64 innings, and struck out 80. He only allowed one home run. His main issue has been walks. He walked 29 last year, so a walk rate of 11%. But a really good arm for Alvarado. But even for someone like him, we don't even know if they are the closer uh, at all for for the race. So it's just makes it rough when you're drafting right now. But a lot of people are drafting, and I do advise it. I think it's a really good time to draft to get familiar with the player pool. I know it's kind of helped me as I've gone along. Done a couple draft champions already, and in the middle of another now in like round 19. Got the great fantasy baseball invitational coming up. That kicks off a week from Sunday. Then I got Tout Wars March 5th. So these drafts are right around the corner, and then you'll have a ton in March. So, you know, these are good prep, uh, especially going through 50 rounds. Really helps you learn the player pool in depth. So definitely recommend it, even though right now you got to make a lot of tough decisions because you don't know who the closers are for many, many teams. And uh, there'll be a ton of changes during the year as well. Speaking of drafts, we got the Labor Mixed League draft tonight. Scott Pianowski is in that. He'll be drafting from the seventh spot. So we're going to bring him on next. We'll talk about his thoughts as he heads into the draft. Does he like that pick? Does he like picking in the middle? And we'll get his thoughts on some other players for the upcoming season. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. There's some twisted people in football, man, and it sort of it really is the dark side, the ugly side of the sport where we all love the sport of football so much, but man, I'm not saying that nothing ever happens in other leagues, but it's a hell of a lot more in it's, football, it's, Joe. It's, it just it's, is. It's a fine line. The violence needed to play the game of football. And then to turn it off in, after. And the violence that is accepted in society. It's a fine yeah. line that these players are having to tow. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. 
can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, as we're getting you set for the fantasy baseball draft season. The draft kit is out, so check it out now. To talk more baseball, I'm joined by Scott Pianowski, Yahoo Sports. Scott, what's going on? Not much, Adam. Uh, Mid-February, I'm getting ready for the labor mixed draft tonight, and uh, my my first draft that counts. So, um, you know, basically it's game on. You know, spring training just about to start, and uh, Super Bowl's come and gone. So let's get ready for uh, baseball. Uh, real quickly before we get into that, Dr. Otto brought up a tweet from you yesterday in the first hour, basically where you were kind of talking about how people should try and do multiple sports, and I know you do, I do, and I know there's a lot of people in the industry that only do one sport, usually football, and I always wonder, I'm like, like, is that good? Like, I couldn't imagine that. Like, I just like so many different sports. Can you kind of just add on what you were, what you were saying there and what you were trying to infer with that tweet? Yeah, I, I may have ruffled some feathers with it inadvertently. I, you know, maybe I could have picked a better tone because I, there are some people who are exclusively football who are outstanding. I mean, I think of somebody like Evan Silva who covers football or John Hanson. Those guys cover football A to Z, and you know they're as good as anybody in the industry. So, you know, much respect to them. I, maybe I'm just speaking from personal preference. I love pizza. I could eat pizza maybe a couple times a week, but I, you know, I used to work at a pizza place and where it was available to me every day. It's like, oh my god, I didn't want to look at a piece of pizza after about five days. I just like diversity in my life. You know, football. Once the football season ends, I'm glad it's over. I'm not interested in doing free agent previews and all that. I mean, I, I'm curious where Antonio Brown goes, but I, I don't need to be. Um, you know, I don't need to have a stance on that until he actually, you know, something happens. Whether he goes back to Pittsburgh or you know, he gets traded or whatever, they cut him. You know, I'll I'll evaluate what he's worth on the Jaguars or the Eagles or whoever, wherever he goes when when he's there. I, I don't need to do that ahead of time because there's just no application for it. So once football ends, it's a long season, it's a grind. But you know, give me college basketball, give me hockey, uh, give me baseball, of course, which is a great fantasy sport. Um, you know, I'm dabbling in a little DFS golf over at Yahoo, which is a lot of fun. I I just think it's part of a you know to have a mixed palette of, of sports just it's just I, I watch a little european soccer can't claim to be an expert there but i like it so it's just getting involved in different things diversity different types of games i mean when the baseball season ends i love fantasy baseball but when the baseball season ends especially because that last month coincides with football and at that point people are amping up for basketball and hockey too i'm really glad that baseball's over you need a break i, I go into my head and take all that ram and dump it out and forget about it that's why now is such an important prep time for baseball but it's just all about diversity. You don't want to drink the same wine every night. You don't want to eat a steak every night as much as you may love steak. You know, that's all I was really going at, going at with that. Oh, okay. So Scott does not like the same woman all the time either is what I'm gathering from that. <laughs> Somebody said that to me. He said, yeah, you must be against monogamy too. <laughs> uh, well, if, uh, if you're with the right person, then, uh, you know, it's, it's like you're every, every night is different. That is true. Good point. And she's probably listening. So good catch on that. Uh, but let's talk some baseball now. So you're in the labor draft tonight, the mixed labor draft. You have pick seven. You said this is your first draft of the year. Have you kind of looked to see what you're looking at at pick seven? Have you seen other drafts? Have you been able to figure out yet if that's a pick that you like or is it going to be trial and error and you'll know by the end of tonight whether you like it? Uh, well, I think what I'm not going to like about it is I think Jeff Erickson is picking right next to me. Um, which, well, then again, that room is so strong. There's there's no weak spot to be at. I was actually just talking to my friend Joe Sheehan, who talked about the labor draft in his newsletter. A strong recommend if you if you're not subscribing to that, and, and he's a friend of mine. 
And he was considering maybe Francisco Lindor at nine, where he picks. I, I would not I know pick you, Lindor in yeah, the first round. I know you wouldn't. I, I know just, how you, you could talk about that. Talk about why you would shy away from Lindor and, uh, you know, what were, what were his points on why he thought it was good? Yeah, I think also just to back to Jeff, I think he, Jeff might have dropped him out of his top 15. The last overall rank I did, which and overall ranks don't mean a lot to me. They really only matter in like maybe the first or second round. You know, if I rank a player 77th, that means nothing to me. Just tell me where he is at his position. But I don't think Lindor is a first-round pick. And it's just, I think the idea is, for me, you don't want to be the most optimistic injury guy in your room. You don't want to assume that Lindor will come back quickly. He'll come back at full strength. He'll come back interested in running. Remember, a big part of his value is the stolen bases. When a player has an injury, sometimes they come back and they, you know, they say, okay, don't, you know, back off that a little bit. And, and, of course, guys later in their career might do that, too, because it's just not worth the wear and tear. Baseball is, is such a home run derby now anyway. Uh, three true outcomes dominate the game. So it's not just when does he come back, but when does he come back and be Francisco Lindor and, and play at the first round level? I mean, he was obviously, you know, what, top three, top five pick on anybody's board before the injury. So I don't – and somebody might say, well, if you pick Lindor, you get to replace him, and I get that, but – I don't want to have to be hopeful for my early picks. I'm very floor-driven in my early picks. I want safe guys. Everybody who's picked in the first round tonight, their upside is MVP or Cy Young. I mean, they're all great players. But I want, and I know that the idea of floor and safety can be a little bit of a mirage. You know, we we may not know about an injury or a personal thing that's going on. Or, you know, I mean, how sometimes I thought Chris Bryant was a really safe pick last year. It was a terrible season. So I mean, it's it's not like we we know those things. It's not like it's a it's a poker deck or a blackjack deck where we know there's four aces, we know there's so many thirteen clubs and all that. You know, these some of these things are unknowable. But I still want my first couple of picks to be you know as safe as I can reasonably figure out based on the information we have. And I don't want to be the most injury optimistic guy in the room. And if you know somebody in my league might be thinking of taking him in the first round, I might as well not even have Lindor on my board right now. Yeah, I actually ran a. Twitter poll the other day and about 64% said they would not take him in the first round. And that was the day of, so maybe it's the immediate reaction. But uh, I think a lot of people are beginning to have that sentiment. They just just don't want to go into the season with a known problem. And the other thing that I was thinking about was it's really cold in April in Cleveland and even in May. And you're tied to speed with Lindor. And if he has that calf, and I don't know if it's the same as Josh Donaldson. I'm not a doctor, but we saw how long – Josh Donaldson missed, and I know he's older, but you're reliant on the stolen base from Lindor. That's part of why you're getting him. Big part of why I don't I don't want to take him with the even with the pick. I think he'll command. And the other thing too is I maybe this is more of a football thing for me, where a lot of leagues don't have IR, but it's also a baseball thing. The problem when you draft into injuries, and I would do it if the price were right. If if I get paid the appropriate coupon or discount, I'd consider it. I just don't think I'm ever going to see it with Lindor. But the thing is, when you draft into injuries then eventually some of your roster is going to get hurt too. Then you have to deal with those guys as well. You're right. And I think people forget that. And I pointed that out too. It's like, you know, you're going to be hit with injuries. No one goes through the season unscathed. It's impossible. And if you do, you're lucky and be fortunate because you're probably not going to see that again. We all deal with injuries at some point. I guess the way I frame it is injuries are going to find you. So I'm not going to look to find them. They'll, they'll get to me eventually anyway, but I'm not going to seek them out again. Somebody's going to say, well, what if he went in the third round? Yeah, okay, I'd consider that. I just don't think that's a realistic outcome tonight. I think he'll go in the first round, and if not the first round, one of the first four or five picks in the second round. I'm joined by Scott Pianowski. You can find him Yahoo Sports. You mentioned overall rankings. 
I'm pretty sure they probably require you to do them at Yahoo. For baseball, I hate them. Like, I just don't see the point. How are you supposed to compare a, a guy that's giving you speed and runs to a power guy, like, in different positions? Uh, give me your thoughts on that. Is it something that you're required to do? You mentioned you just feel like the first two rounds. I just think it's so useless. And if someone is drafting off an overall sheet in baseball and they're just crossing off names and taking the highest guy, you're not going to win. You don't know how to construct a roster if you're doing that. Yeah, you're you're hitting the right point there. Where it's about the the tiers of talent, the pools of the talent, the marginal differences, what positions are deep, what positions are shallow. Again, you know the perception of that because we we can't always know that. But I think the first question you ask yourself is what position. If I if I were to ignore a position or punt a position or semi punt a position, what position when it got to the twelfth round, the fifteenth round, the eighteenth round, the twenty second round, would I still think like yeah, I still see guys who interest me. A lot of times for me, that's the outfield. Then you have to have some good outfielders, some some prime outfielders. That's fine. But I always feel like in every draft I'm in, every mixed league draft, which is my primary format, I always feel like, excuse me, battling a little cold here, but I always feel like I can get a decent outfielder in the secondary part of the draft. So I won't be in a hurry to fill my outfield. But an overall ranking, you know, other than the first couple of rounds, I really think it's pointless. What is your plan of attack with starting pitching this year? We're starting to see them go earlier and earlier. They've always gone pretty high in the high-stakes leagues. If you saw the FSDA draft, probably as early as I've seen pitchers go, a lot of people are trying to, to get that arm early. Is, are you going to target one in the first couple rounds, or is it just kind of the feel and flow of the draft? I'm largely a field drafter, but... I would like one of my first three picks to be a pitcher. I'm not going to force it by any means. Um, you have to play to the flow of the room. And if, you know, I, if I said, okay, got to have a pitcher in the first three rounds, and then, you know, first two rounds go by, I take two hitters, and then Chris Bryant's there in the middle of the third round. I mean, I'm just going to take Bryant. I don't care about the pitcher at that point. But I would like to have, I think last year in this draft, I didn't do it on purpose. I think my first 10 or 11 picks were hitters. I just, I just kept thinking, I don't like the value here. I don't like the value here. And what really kind of frost me about that is I was really close to taking Jake DeGrom and he went at, at, at really, a, obviously he was a prophet to anybody who took him last year. And I said, nah, I, maybe he'll wait another around. And, you know, I like the hitter I got. I think even the hitter I got was good, but I never really caught up with the pitching. Uh, you know, anything could work if you pick the right players. I mean, you could pick the players by what college they went to or what you know state they grew up in. And, you know, if you got the right players, it might work, but I would, I don't really want to, punt anything i think that the one thing i'd be most likely to just wave it off it would be saves and closers it's just not that many guys i like i hate the players you pass up when you take one of those prime closers and i feel like you don't even get 10 deep where you're like i don't know if this guy's any good i I think we get so uncertain at that position and you you can't in any competitive league i know a lot of people will say well i'm just gonna get all the saves on the wire i'm gonna beat everybody to the punch and everything and that's great if you're in a league where you know half the league doesn't care or doesn't really know what they're doing or you know they're not engaged in the league but but if you're in a competitive league the people that listen to this show i'm sure are are, you know competitive players who play in high levels of competition you you know you're not you can't assume you're going to get those guys because there's going to be a fight for all of them and they're going to be heavily bid on and in fab and they're going to be prioritized. So I don't really know what I'm going to do with closers, but as far as the starting pitching, I would like to have, I'd say probably one really good pitcher I like in the first three rounds, maybe first four rounds. And after seven or eight picks, I'd like to have maybe two or three pitchers. It's somewhat of a balanced roster. I'm not going to force it, but that's my general in pencil blueprint right now. 
Yeah, and you will see as you are dealing with the closers, it is really bad. And, you know, people are, are overpaying for saves. And I just can't do it myself. Uh, I have to figure out no, the I kind can't of happy I, you know, Part of it, it, you know, what's ironic is teams are getting smarter about their bullpens, and it's making it harder for us. Because they don't, they realize, you know what, we don't have to have a dedicated closer, and we can float that position, and we can have three or four different guys who close based on the circumstances and who the opponent is and handedness and, and all that, where it used to be everybody wanted the one closer and they wanted the manager to not have to make tough decisions. It's the ninth inning. It's a safe situation. So I give the ball to this guy. Teams now are smarter, realizing that's probably not optimum bullpen usage. I mean, you've seen some teams make really great playoff runs. I mean, Milwaukee got to the one game from the World Series last year with, with Josh Hader doing what he did. And you think about Andrew Miller when he was in peak form with the Indians and how they used him. He said, look, I don't care if I close or not. So Terry Francona said, fine, you might pitch the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning, you know. Um, so the teams are getting a lot smarter for that, but it's making it harder for us in fantasy. And it's funny, one of my leagues is actually getting into a huge debate saying, should we include say, uh, holds and save? Should it be a save is worth a point and a hold is like four-tenths of a point? So that way you don't, you know, we don't have all the cr- closer chaos. Last year, all the free agent money was going towards closers. And that's a league where if you bid $30 on a guy, it's $30 real dollars and we're actually having a huge argument about if we should change the rules or not, but that's kind of a you know an effect of what how baseball has shifted and how the save market has just become really interesting and frustrating at the same time. It's so funny you brought that up. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. Like, do we have to start to figure out maybe a different category? And I was going to bring holds into the mix. I mean, I always say I ask league mates to propose rule changes and put it up for vote. No one has said anything, but I think people are starting to get frustrated by this. And if we go and you you put together your closer rankings, you're going to look at the bottom 10 to 14. You don't even have any idea if they're going to open the year with the job because there's other people in the mix. Do you think we're going to get to the point where maybe we have to change the category or do something different? It's a great question. I don't have a lot of experience with hold leagues. I've never been a big fan of the stat. The safe stat is obviously flawed everybody knows that i think the whole set is flawed too but i i have to see the playability of it and i don't have enough experience with it to really know if i'd like the experience or not so i'm trying to be open-minded to it but i really don't know what our future is here yeah it's definitely an interesting discussion because especially if more managers start to employ multiple arms to use in the ninth inning and we are kind of seeing that head in the right direction and it makes the same and you know what else one one other thing i want to say about this is um it's not just uh, everything we said is you're saying is true, and I agree. But it's also when you look at an unsettled bullpen or a closer who doesn't have a long leash, we don't know if the if the quote unquote next guy up is the guy. It could be you know A or B or C or somebody in the minors or somebody who's still a starter right now, somebody who's not in the organization. That answer to who's going to close in an uncertain city could be like nine different guys. I mean, I, you know, it's just the point is it's not like. It's 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 not binary. It's not like okay, it's A. If it's not A, it's B. That that's out the window too. There, teams, so many teams are just going to figure it out when they figure it out. Oh, that is true. Sometimes the setup guy is not the answer. We think he is, and then they go with someone else. So that is true. Uh, some of these young players that we're seeing go early. Uh, are you buying any of them? Like Juan Soto, Vladimir Guerrero, who we haven't even seen in the majors yet. Uh, they're going third, fourth round. Sometimes I've seen Soto go in the second. Are you buying into some of them based on the skill sets, or are you still a little weary because we haven't seen enough? I'm virtually certain I'm going to be very low on Guerrero and maybe not even have any of them 
and that's, that's really simple for me. I have a theory that the more fun a pick is, the less likely I want to do it. I'm a value guy, and Guerrero is going to be drafted, I think, in the leagues that I'm in, in a position where he has to be great, where he has to be automatically a star. And I, I just, you know, at his experience level, I, and I know what he's done in the minors, obviously the pedigree with his father, a Hall of Fame player. I just can't assume he is an all-star right out of the box. I'm, I'm never going to play that way. I'm, I'm not going to buy him at the high end of his range, and I think you need to. A little more open-minded on Soto, just because I, I don't think he's quite as buzz. I mean, people, you know, the other thing with Guerrero is because it's been such a slow reveal. Because Toronto teased us last year, we thought he was coming up, then he didn't at all. Because people have been so eager to see him play, and they, they've seen the highlights, they've seen the stats. They, again, they know the pedigree. I think that leads to kind of that Christmas endowment effect. That the longer you wait for a president, the more expectant you are. It's going to be something great, and I think it leads to people putting expectations in a position I'm not willing to go. Yeah, that is the case. There's a lot of buzz on Vlad, too. And wait until the spring starts, and if he has a couple of hits or home runs, then uh, forget it. It'll be off the charts. How are you playing Vlad? Do you think he'll be on your teams? No. Uh, so far in my drafts, I haven't taken him. Uh, I've generally seen him go in the third to fourth round. And, you know, he doesn't have elite power or elite speed either. You know, and the Toronto lineup stinks, mm-hmm. too. So that's the other factor. So uh, he probably will not be on my teams. But I do look forward to seeing him play, and hopefully he does come up early. That's uh, As a baseball fan, can't wait. As a fantasy guy, I, he's going to be on somebody else's team. Scott Pianowski, Yahoo Sports. Scott, thanks a lot for the time, and good luck in your draft tonight. Thanks, Adam. Looking forward to seeing you at Tout. Definitely. Again, Scott Pianowski, find him Yahoo Sports. When we return, I'll wrap it up. Looking at the night in NBA DFS. That is ahead right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-625-4922 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-625-4922. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-625-4922 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. I also get really angry. You can kind of hear it in my voice. People do not root for teams where they are geographically located. Now, you have laid it out perfectly yep. that there were no teams yep. in Florida when you were there. I had the Dolphins. That was and it. And you, you mentioned you had family, right? Yep. From yep. Chicago. Yep. So, all right, that makes sense to me. But for people who live in New York or live in New Jersey, you live in the tri-state area, but you don't live in Massachusetts, and you're a Patriots fan? <laughs> you're a Celtics fan? You're a Red Sox fan? Come on, dude. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. 
Back here, Scout Fantasy Sports, Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. You can listen live. If not, always check it out on demand. And you can check out my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. So are getting you set for the fantasy baseball season. The draft kit is fire. Definitely going to help you succeed as I'm taking a look at different players and breaking them down. The latest one is a look at Paul DeYoung from the Cardinals. And can you count on him as a shortstop if you miss out on the top tier? You can read and get that answer now. Also have player profiles on Yasiel Puig, Nelson Cruz, Sonny Gray, the evaluation of the JT Romuto trade, and a lot more. Just go to the draft kit. You can check it out for yourself. Look at a couple players that I think are very overvalued as well that I will not be having on my teams this year. So sometimes it's not always the players you target. Who do you avoid? That is also important in your draft. So I have that. In-depth team profile outlooks from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. He's already completed the American League. There's a free sample of the Red Sox and Orioles. Uh, he's gone through the NL East now. NL Central, latest look at the Cincinnati Reds, and you can ask your questions on the message boards and forums as well. In addition to ScoutDFS.com for NBA, NHL, PGA, optimizers, and Slack chat included. And if you use the promo code RADIO for the season long, you get 70% off your first month. So definitely take advantage of that now. If you like to wager on sports or never have and would like to try, head on over to BetDSI. They have wagering options for almost any sport you can think of, including sides, totals, and player props, where you can utilize your daily fantasy skills without salary cap constraints. You can even wager on esports, politics, and reality TV, or get an edge with live betting at BetDSI, where you can wager virtually any time during a contest, capitalizing on in-game circumstances. There are so many ways you can make money. Use the promo code FNTSY101 when signing up. Get a 100% bonus deposit match. So head on over and open your account at BetDSI. That's promo code FNTSY101 to get your 100% bonus deposit match. And to win some money over there, try out VegasWhispers.com. They can help you with uh, some of the sports betting picks that you need to win that money. Short slate in the NBA tonight, only five games. It was a much busier night last night, and a couple of guys went off as expected. As I mentioned, Paul George is someone that I pretty much use every night. People still do not play him enough. A lot of times they're, and I look, Russell Westbrook's been good, and you know set an NBA record with his 10th consecutive triple-double yesterday, uh, but Paul George had one of his own, and Paul George now two games in a row with at least 45 points in uh We'll see next time out how much the salary goes up, but just keep playing Paul George pretty much every night, and uh, you get him at lower ownership than uh, you would think. Uh, loved Andre Drummond yesterday. He came through with a big game, 32-17, and 17. although I did have a lineup where when I saw that uh, Andrew Wiggins was out, uh, took out Drummond on DK and put in Carl Anthony Towns, and that did not work out. I mean, Towns had a good game, but he was limited to foul trouble, just 27 minutes. Did have 24-10, and 10, but expected better. Unfortunately, uh, Zubak did not come through for me, man. I thought Zubak was a pretty good play. Uh and he just did not have it. Uh, so most of the plays worked out pretty good yesterday. Larry Nance was another one that worked out. 15 points, 16 rebounds, 4 assists for uh, Cleveland yesterday as they uh, took on the Knicks. So overall it was pretty good. Uh, wanted to play Lou Williams. I didn't play him. Uh, just was worried about the minutes distribution since they made the trade. And 
he went off for 45 points. But I've always said this. That's why Lou Williams, a lot of nights, especially if you get him at a good price, you play him. He has tournament winning upside. And you saw it last night, just 45 points with four assists. So to me, that's why he's always in play. Let's take a look at the slate tonight. Kick it off with probably one of the most appealing games on the slate at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. So tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern is the start time. So you got a little little extra time, extra half hour from the usual seven. Lakers at Atlanta. Vegas totals 237. Lakers favored by five. Josh Hart has been ruled out. Mike Muscala, Tyson Chandler are questionable. We expect LeBron to play. I think even the other day uh, they were there's concerns about he would play, whether they would uh, rest him. Obviously, the Lakers need to win games right now. They're still battling for the eighth seed right behind the Clippers and Kings. And obviously, the Clippers traded off a lot of pieces, so they're not going for it. But uh, this is definitely an appealing game uh, with a very high total. And the Hawks have just been dreadful uh, everywhere across the board defensively. So I think with the Lakers, there are several good points uh, players here that you like. LeBron James, uh, you can pay up for him. He's pretty affordable. There's not many pay-up spots here tonight either. Again, only a five-game slate. So LeBron's 10-5 on DK, 11-2 on FanDuel. I would think he's pretty popular tonight uh, going against the Hawks. Good chance that he gets a triple-double. Uh, we got the All-Star break right around the corner, so I don't expect him to be limited tonight unless it's a blowout. And I think Atlanta can't keep this game close. So LeBron definitely in play tonight. Uh, Kyle Kuzma looks healthy now, coming off a really good game. He's 6 on DK, 67 on FanDuel. So uh, I, I like him for sure. I really love Traval McGee tonight. Um, he's been starting lately, and even if he doesn't play big minutes, he's produced, and it, it is a good matchup. So uh, he's 48 on DK, 63 on FanDuel. So certainly on DK you like him, and Yahoo where you can use multiple centers. Uh, he's just per minute. Fantasy-wise, he's been great. So, you know, he doesn't even need to play 30 minutes. You get him 24, 25 minutes, and he could definitely produce. Do have some interest in Brandon Ingram as well. Uh, I was looking at him on Yahoo. I think he's 21 on Yahoo. He's 55 on DK, 62 on FanDuel. Um, obviously, I haven't really played him with LeBron back, but he's been playing huge minutes. And in a matchup against the Hawks on a small slate, definitely he's in play. Uh, anyone else uh, really uh, Rondo we saw uh, I don't know his minutes I'm not really playing Rondo and the price is 59 on DK 62 on FanDuel I mean you could always think about him in a tournament but I don't think I'm going to have any Rondo tonight but Lakers definitely are at a good spot Uh, for Atlanta I think they have a few guys that you can use Trey Young has obviously been playing better lately Um, uh and, uh, you know, they did lose Jeremy Lin. I don't think that's going to affect Trey Young that much. I mean, he still plays big minutes anyway. But uh, they just uh, got rid of uh, Jeremy Lin, who went over to Toronto. So I think you can uh, consider Trey Young. I don't know how much I'll use him tonight. 67 on DK, 74 on Fandle. John Collins is always in play uh, for tournaments. Uh, 76 on DK, 77 on Fandle. Uh, Kevin Huter has been playing pretty well. Um He's been playing about 30 minutes a game, so I think you can consider him. He's 48 on DK, 56 on FanDuel. Uh, I have Torian Prince in seasonal. I haven't really used him in DFS, maybe just one time. I know he's been playing increased minutes. That's not a bad spot for him. To me, he's like that last piece. If you come down towards the end and he's in one of the tiers, okay. But again, not really huge around him. And uh, Dwayne Devin just doesn't 
play enough minutes for me. Uh, 46 on DK, 41, 51 on FanDuel. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Uh, but definitely like the Lakers side of it for sure. should be uh, a high-scoring game. And uh, I think LeBron will probably be one of the uh, popular plays tonight, I would think, because really not many areas to spend tonight. Next game up is the Celtics at Sixers, 8 p.m. Eastern. Vegas total is 225. Sixers favored by 6.5. Kyrie Irving is out. So obviously that's going to open up uh, a lot of playing time here on the Celtics. I generally kind of use Kyrie Irving for the most part. Uh, and maybe Al Horford from time to time. But I do use Celtics when uh, Kyrie is out. Uh, so, the, you know, they they could struggle tonight here. I, I think they keep this game close, though. I think they cover the six and a half. Uh, obviously, whenever Kyrie Irving is out, we look to Terry Rozier. Uh, problem is, though, because he was playing quite a bit recently, the salary is really high. I mean, 69 on DK and 72 on Fandle. I don't think you can do that in cash. I don't even know if I'm going to do it in tournament. Even in Yahoo, I think he was pretty expensive. I think it was 23-24. So um, it's going to be hard for, for me to use Rozier tonight. So I'm probably not. You know, If you do multiple amps, I could see using him in, in one or two. But that price is a little bit high on those sites. Uh, Jalen Brown certainly gets a little bit of a boost. He's 51 on DK, 52 on Fandle. Uh, and he's usually performed well when Kyrie Irving is out, so certainly could use him. Uh, we have seen Marcus Smart get a boost. He had that one big game recently, but he's also had a, a lot of down games, so he's generally someone that I don't use. Marcus Morris, too. He kind of goes underlooked at times, too. He's 5 on DK, 51 on Fandle, so uh, he's definitely in consideration tonight. Uh, Horford. Got the tough matchup uh, with uh, Joel Embiid. So usually in a lot of spots I would use Horford. Um, I would consider him in tournaments, though. He's 63 on DK, 75 on FanDuel. Though sometimes his minutes uh, concern me a little bit. Sixers are healthy coming into this game. Uh, so the problem with them is, you know, they have so many guys now adding Tobias Harris. And generally, uh, I don't when they're all healthy, I don't use a ton. And, you know... The pricing is uh, not that not that bad though tonight. Like Embiid is definitely a guy that I will use that I like. He's ten two on DK, eleven seven on Fanduel. So we talked about not many players to spend up. Uh, well, Embiid and LeBron are are the two go tos tonight. Uh, so I like Embiid in this spot for sure. So I'll look at him. Uh, Tobias Harris you cannot use now because uh, the salary is still high. Did go down a little bit lower on DK to sixty six, but uh, not going to use him. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, he's in play, 78 on DK, 88 on Fandles, like him better on DK. We saw J.J. Redick had a ridiculous game recently, uh, but it's going to be hard for him to put up those numbers uh, with everyone healthy and Tobias Harris there now. Uh, and I haven't really been playing Butler either with all these guys out. I mean, 68 on DK is not bad. He could blow up. He won't be high-owned. On 82 on Fandle, but pretty much Embiid's my favorite guy there for the Sixers tonight. He's the guy that I would look at, and I do think this game uh, will stay competitive. I know a lot of people are going to count out the Celtics because no Kyrie Irving, but I think they keep it close. Spurs are at the Grizzlies, 8 p.m. Eastern. Vegas totals 210. Spurs favored by four and a half. Uh, and I didn't realize how awful the Spurs have been lately. I was going through their game odds, and I was surprised. Derek White is out for them tonight. Rudy Gay is probable, so I think you have to. Uh, wait and see what happens there. Obviously, I think a lot of people are not going to look at this game, uh, but it is a close spread. And um, 
both teams are, are kind of missing pieces, especially if Rudy Gay doesn't play. So uh, I do think they're, uh, DeMar DeRozan's in play. I would take a look at him, 73 on DK, 81 on FanDuel. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, 77 on DK, 82 on FanDuel. I might play one of those guys. Uh, Davis Bertans, if he were to start, I'd be interested. Uh, if he's 4 on DK, 44 on FanDuel. We have seen a few games recently where he has been pretty good. It's kind of been uh, the point guard position has been kind of split there. They've been using Patty Mills and Brent Forbes, so it's really tough to use either of those guys because just not enough minutes there. Um, so uh, I, Bertans is interesting as a cheap guy because he has been playing well. I would consider him. For the Grizzlies, uh, Kyle Anderson is out. Jonas Valchunas is questionable. It doesn't look like he's going to play. I still think he's uh, dealing with that uh, paperwork issues as he comes over from Toronto. So it doesn't look like he'll be good to go. Uh, you know, there is some cheap guys here on the Grizzlies side. I've been playing Ivan Rab a lot lately. He's Price has gone up 56 on DK, 64 on FanDuel. Um, so I think he is in play. Uh, because he's been playing 30-plus minutes. so uh, And he's been pretty good when he's been out there. Although we did see Joachim Noah the other night uh, play well uh, on the bench. Um, and he could be an interesting tournament play if Valchunas doesn't play. You could probably get him at low ownership. But on a five-game slate, certainly a possibility there. Mike Conley burned me the other night. But I might play him here in this spot. It's a good matchup. He's 79 on DK, 87 on Fandle. And that's one of the things you, you kind of have to forget what's happened. But Conley is uh, definitely going to play big minutes, and uh, this is a good matchup for him. So uh, I think you could take a look at him. I've used Justin Holiday occasionally. He just he's not that good, and uh, we have seen him play big minutes and not produce. Uh, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to play him tonight. Uh, Jared Jackson's been really good too recently, so I think you uh, take him into consideration as well. 62 on DK, 67 on Fandle for tonight. So there are some... Some plays you can look at there on the Grizzlies, even though that's not the ideal matchup and not one of the highest totals on the slate. Orlando, they're playing the Pelicans tonight, and uh, the Vegas spread is 4.5 as uh, Pelicans are favored. Vegas total 225. For the Magic, um, there are some guys I like here. I think uh, you could look at uh, Jonathan Isaac. I've been using him a lot lately. He always goes low-owned. I've been using him on Yahoo. The price has gone up. He's 51 on DK. I like him there, especially you know the blocks that he can give you. 64 on FanDuel. Aaron Gordon's 6,400, but I'm a little bit worried about his injury. He had a, a fall and came back last game, played about 26 minutes. Um, that's, that's what worries me is uh, his health. Uh, if I see... Some of the reports that he's fine, not limited. I might use him in a tournament because 64 and DK is a pretty good price. But he's one of those guys that you know has a low floor and a high ceiling. Terrence Ross has been on fire lately, but uh, price has gone up and he's relying solely on scoring in threes. 54 DK, 6 on Fandle. I almost played him the other night. I'm like, oh, you can't do it again. He did it again. Uh, Evan Fournier is someone I would look at on Yahoo. Um, 52 on DK. Not a bad spot there either. Vucevic's always in play, although the price has risen. 95 on DK, 99 on Fandle. Don't see the need to go there tonight, but you will get him at low ownership. I think people will be uh, looking at B tonight. For the Pelicans, Anthony Davis, how many minutes is he going to play? Wow, 10-3, though, on DK. Wow. He's 12-5 on Fandle. 10-3 on DK for Davis? You might have to consider that. The problem is, you know, does he play the fourth quarter? Do they pull him early? Do they limit his minutes? Does he get hurt? But uh, that is definitely in intriguing, though, uh, on DK, um, I'm, if you play on DK, I think you might have to play him at 10-3. That's a guy that we usually see in the 11th. So 
definitely in play, but you have to understand there's risk to it that he could be removed. Uh, but he at least did play the fourth quarter last time out. Kerridge Williams continues to play well, even with Davis back. 49 on DK. I think you play him there. 64 on FanDuel. Uh, certainly could use him there. I haven't really played Drew Holiday with Anthony Davis back. Uh, the price is still pretty high. But uh, I wouldn't play Davis on FanDuel. I think it's too much. But I definitely do think on DK he's in play. I didn't realize he was 10-3 until I was just looking at that right now. Uh, so that could be a spend up there, too. Uh, Utah at Golden State, final game of the night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Warriors favored by 9. 226.5 is the Vegas total. For the Jazz, um, I like Ricky Rubio. Uh, definitely been looking at him on Yahoo. I think he's like 21. He's 58 on DK, 63 on FanDuel. Rudy Gobert certainly is in play tonight as well. Um, it's a matter of whether you think this game is uh, going to stay close. And I do think the Jazz can. Um, Donovan Mitchell's more expensive. You can use him in tournaments. Uh, but Gobert, Rubio, my favorite guys there. For Golden State, Draymond Green is questionable. Andre Iguodala is questionable. So that is something to pay attention to because that would open things up for a guy like Clay Thompson. Uh, it would make Curry more appealing. DeMarcus Cousins certainly in play. Uh, 62 on DK, 7,300 on Fandle. He's been around 25, 26 minutes, but uh, certainly can get the job done. Uh, Kevin Durant, 91 on DK, 99 on Fandle if you're looking for that small forward spot. That wraps it up here. In the meantime, you can also check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Use the promo code RADIO. Get you 70% off your first month. I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.